Welcome to the South Mims U podcast. In this episode, we're talking about the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution again. You might have heard our first podcast about its implications, in which our constitutional history professor, Lance Farbush Colt, explained his idea that any and every gun owner in the US would, in return for the right to own and bear a firearm, be obligated to use that firearm in the service of his or her country. That is, to be sent off to war in places like Afghanistan and Iraq and, well, anywhere that America decided to go to war. Well, Professor Colt's interest in the subject hasn't waned, and he's with me to explain the fact that the right to bear arms can be interpreted to include, well, quite a lot of weapons, including a sword, not just a knife, but a sword. Isn't that right, Lance? It is. A sword just like this one. My, that's magnificent. It's a sabre. It looks ceremonial, but you could do some damage with this. It's like it's like the kind of thing you see in movies or, or imposed pictures of Civil War generals. Surely. And this is an 1860 light cavalry sabre. It's got that slightly arched handle with a handguard that's very, very elegant, don't you think? It's very elegant. And the long blade looks super sharp. I sharpened it myself this morning. The blade is hand-forged and made of high-carbon steel. The handle is wire-wrapped leather. And the scabbard, which hangs from this fine belt, is made from stout steel. What's its length? The overall length is 41 inches. My, my, that's impressive. And I also have with me a replica of a Nashville Plowworks Cavalry Sabre. This one boasts a full tang, 1065 high carbon steel blade with a cast brass guard. Grip is black leather, wrapped in twisted brass wire. And the scabbard is made from blackened steel that comes in at 39 inches. Now, in the UK, you can't just walk around with weapons like these in the street. I mean, you'd be arrested pretty quickly. That's because you don't have the right to bear arms. Whereas in the United States, we have the Second Amendment, which gives you the right to bear arms. Yes, and I know there's a very intense debate about what the amendment actually allows you to own, carry or use. Well, it gives you the right, in the exact words of the amendment, to keep and bear arms. And the legal definition of the amendment itself is that this is a natural right. So it's not dependent on the amendment itself, but on the natural right of persons to defend themselves and the Constitution. The state, which can mean the state as in Arizona or New York, or the federal state, that is, the United States of America. Yes, and as you've argued before, this means that you have the obligation to defend that state, be it your family, your property, or the state constitution, both at state and federal level. Sure, you obviously listen closely to my argument. It's a very finely argued argument. Thank you. You're not just saying that because I'm holding this 41-inch blade over your head, are you? No, no, but it's making me a little nervous. Could you resheathe it? Sure, consider it sheathed. Thank you. Now, could you explain why the Second Amendment allows you to carry a sword as well as a gun? Think about it. What kind of arms would have been around in the second half of the 18th century? Uh, uh, muskets. 
which I suppose would have been muzzle-loading muskets, as automatic weapons hadn't been invented yet, isn't that right? In fact, the first repeating rifle wasn't used until the end of the American Civil War. It was the Henry rifle. Sure, that's right. What about the Colt revolver? Aren't you distantly related to the Colt family? I might be. I, I never bothered to find out. So when did the first Colt revolver come into use? It was patented by Samuel Colt in 1836. So well after the Second Amendment was drawn up. It's clear that the arms mentioned in the amendment did not include modern firearms, or any firearm developed after the 1790s, but that's not the point. Uh, but surely it is the point. Don't many gun control activists argue that because the amendment was written at a time of muzzle-loading muskets, then only muzzle-loading muskets can be protected by it? Yeah, they argue that, but it's a muddle-headed argument. A muzzle-headed argument. Muddled-headed. Yes, I was making a pun. <laughs> okay, that was a pun, was it? Very good. Sorry, go on. Point is that it can be argued to be a catch-all phrase, which can be modified as time and technology progress. Okay, but surely the framers of the Constitution didn't mean that people could go around carrying Uzis and grenade launchers or own tanks, or did they? Okay. Let's get specific. Constitutional experts argue that the intention of the words means that you have to look at what common law at the time meant by the concepts behind the words. And that is? One expert defines it this way. The concept arms means light infantry weapons which can be carried and used together with ammunition by a single militiaman, functionally equivalent to those commonly used by infantrymen in land warfare. In warfare at the time? No, just warfare. So at the time, that meant not just muzzle-loading muskets, but pistols too. It was sure, but... I haven't finished. Oh, sorry. People are so obsessed with guns, they think the Second Amendment is all about guns. Guns form a small part of what the Second Amendment protects. Or you could argue that it protects. Okay, what kind of weapons are we talking about? Swords, knives... Bows with arrows, spears. Oh, of course, common weapons of the time. Yeah, but it's vague enough to include modern rifles and handguns, full auto machine guns and shotguns, grenade and grenade launchers, flares, smoke, tear gas, incendiary rounds, and anti tank weapons, but not heavy artillery, rockets, or bombs, or lethal chemical, biological, or nuclear weapons. Well, thank God for restricting it to just the weapons you can carry around with you. You can make a pretty small and portable nuclear device nowadays. The idea makes me feel a little sick. Paper by the Constitution Society says that there have to be limits. Ooh, that's nice of them. They say the standard has to be that arms includes weapons which would enable citizens to effectively resist government tyranny but the precise line will be drawn politically rather than constitutionally. The rule should be that arms includes all light infantry weapons that do not cause mass destruction. So that's why you can carry that sword. It is. And it's why I do carry this sword. At least when I'm in an open carry state like Texas. You walk down the street with that admittedly magnificent sword in Texas? I do. And... 
if I might say without being accused of sexism, the ladies love it. But ladies can carry a sword too, right? Surely. It's totally unisex. A sword is a sword. Just like a gun is a gun. But a sword, I would argue, encourages civility and manners. Civility and manners? A gun is such a hunk of technology. It's dark and menacing. It's thuggish. It's a brute. It wields brute force indiscriminately. It respects no boundaries. It endangers the innocent. Simply, my friend, it is a weapon for a coward. Whereas a sword, well, a sword is individualistic. It's noble. It's only used in hand-to-hand -hand combat between foes who understand the need for a specific conflict. That's rather um, a romantic view of sword play, isn't it? Not at all. It's an ancient human tradition. Go back to Elizabethan times and swords. Specifically, rapiers were common. Most gentlemen would carry a rapier as an adornment. But when needed, it could be used to defend themselves, or a friend, or a lady in distress. Are you one of those romantics who would wish for a return of the Confederacy? Not at all. If I thought you really understood the implications of what you just said, I might unsheathe this cold steel and run you through to defend my honor. Oh, please don't. I'm kidding. First, I'm a Yankee by birth. Second, I would not want to celebrate what the Confederacy stood for. Slavery, racial injustice, and feudal exploitation. And third, I carry a sword because I have a right to as an American citizen, and it makes me look sexy. Well, maybe that's the part I find a little unsettling. In this age of hyper-awareness around gender issues, isn't it a bit of a cliché to think that women would find you attractive just because you carry a sword? It might be, but they always get the hearts for a man with a sabre. Really? Are you, are you being ironic? I'm an American. I don't do irony. <clears throat> OK, so, so when you're openly wearing that sword, impressive as it is, you really do experience more um, attention from the opposite sex? Not just the opposite sex. Oh, um, what do you mean? I predict that swords are going to be big in the LGBTQ community. Now you are kidding. No, I'm not kidding. Why should weapons be considered solely heterosexual? I don't know. I, I never really thought about it. I guess... I guess because when you think of the typical American gun owner, they're usually right-wing and white and... Totally wrong. A total cliché. Oh. All kinds of people bear arms in America. The great majority of them are not nuts. They're not all right-wing, and they're not fat either. Though, in my opinion, the most vocal gun rights people are all of those things, which is why I believe they should be sent to war instead of young men and women. But that was the subject of the last podcast. Well, actually, I didn't say fat. I deliberately avoided saying fat. So deliberately, you might as well have said it. Sir, you deal in cliches and stereotypes, and it's got to stop. I'm sorry, but... No, no, I understand. It's not your fault. It's decades of cliches. It's not your fault. That's why I wanted to focus on the sword. And your right to bear it. And my right to bear it. Under the Constitution. Why is it so important to do that, Lance? Because it shows two things. One, you need to understand the exact implications of something that exists. That is the Second Amendment. It was written, it is part of the Constitution, and unless you repeal it, you have to live and die by it. Right, right, I see. You can't unwrite history. Or the Constitution. 
You can only amend the Constitution. That takes political will. So what's the second reason? By showing that the right to bear arms and the fact that it cannot be infringed means any arms. As we defined it before, any kind of weapon that fits within the common law definition enshrined in the Second Amendment. That is, including swords. Surely, by wearing this sword, I both honor the Constitution and I ridicule what it has become. Ridicule? Yeah. In truth, I think that the Second Amendment should be superseded by something more suitable to the needs of the modern era. But the resistance to doing that is such that it's not going to happen anytime soon. Ah, so, by taking the amendment literally... Yeah, by interpreting it in an originalist sense, I can highlight its absurdity. So, it was absurd to begin with? No, no, it was not absurd to begin with. The amendment was written at a time when it was legal to carry weapons in England, let alone the nascent United States. Ah, it was a natural right, as you said before. Yes, but... The world changes, societies change, technology evolves, and what is right for one time might not be right for another time. Okay, automatic machine guns are not right for downtown Abilene. Right, and nor are swords, really. But by wearing a sword, I show that you can't define the present through the prism of the past. If we did that, then women would be kept from the workplace and there would still be slavery. I see. Yes, I understand. I think that's very clever. Now, you've been looking at that Nashville Plowwork Sabre the whole time. Would you like to handle it? I, I would, if I may. Go on, pick it up. Oh, oh, it's heavier than I thought. What a lovely bit of craftsmanship. Even though it's a replica, it's really impressive, isn't it? Very impressive. Would you uh, walk around with that hanging from your belt? I would, you know. Yeah. You know, it'd be great to wear something like this. And the ladies would like it. Or, I don't know you very well, guys would like it too. Let's not debate that part again. I just like the feel of this thing. Come on, you want to have a little sword play? I don't think we've got the room in here. Oh, we do, we do. Come on. Okay, if you say so. All right. All right, lift it high. That's it. Oh, oh, on guard. You don't have to say that. Oh, oh, right. I suppose Americans didn't say that in the past, it being a French phrase. French and cliche. Right, now, just watch the blade in. Slowly move it. Oh, this is amazing. A bit faster now. Come on. Oh, oh for one, I'm up for... Oh, oh my arm! Oh, oh blood! Come down. <laughs> Calm down. I told you to be careful. Help! Help! Call the medics, please. I'm bleeding. Dear listener, I think this podcast is over. Tell them to subscribe. Tell them to subscribe. Please subscribe. You have the right to bear intelligence, and it's your right to think hard and to think more often. So come back to South Mims U for a more cutting-edge intellectual discussion. Cutting-edge? Are you serious? Oh, 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 I feel faint. Goodbye. Stop recording. Hello? Ambulance, please. I need an ambulance. Quick! Uh.